Welcome aboard. I'm Brad. I'm Eric. And I'm Scott. Welcome to My Ship Story Podcast. This is a podcast where we invite crew members, both past and present, to tell their stories about life at sea. So come up to the pool bar and grab a drink. Sit back, relax, because it's time for My My Ship Ship Story. Story. (laughs) That was terrible. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to My Ship Story Podcast. I'm here again with Scott and Brad. Yes, the three of us are back together. We have a, a special guest uh, today, uh, Chris McNeil, who worked on submarines. So that's going to be an interesting, I'm sure plenty of interesting stories. But before we get to Chris, uh, let's hear about Scott, Brad, how things are going. Scott? Everything's going great. Just, I don't know what you call it. I'm in process of uh producing, making a bunch of movies and stuff. We made our big movie and did the reshoots to that. Decided to make a another movie uh, at the last minute just because we had all the gear left over and we made, I can't wait to see it. It's it's going to be super funny. It ran a little long shooting it because certain things in the movie that you'll see when it comes out. Um, How long is this body movie? Because it's a short, correct? Well, this yeah, they're, they're, these are shorts. But, okay. um, um, and how long do you expect them to be? Eight to 12 minutes, somewhere around there. This one's called Lotto Summer, and it involves uh, zombies, um, tuna fish. <laughs> your favorite um, story, your favorite subject, uh, zombies. Zombies, tuna fish. You're going to release tub. this around uh, Halloween? Yeah, uh, as soon as it comes out. I mean, that'll be perfect. It's not like a zombie, zombie type of story, right. but I mean, there, there's all kinds of stuff in it. There's, there's a, me dressed up as a, in an animal. There's a, I'm in a wolf costume on a bike getting chased by a Pantera <laughs> down the street. Um, okay. But, uh, it's, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of so fun. when will we get a chance to see it? Are you going to post it online at some point? Yeah. Well, keep us posted because yep. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Bradley? It. Same. Just making lots of zombie movies and stuff. Just <laughs> kind of kind of same thing, you know, just normal stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to uh, think before you get rid of all your stuff to make a zombie movie about, you know, z- zombies that get trapped in your basement and get drunk. That Well, that'd be, that wouldn't be a very eventful. I was going to say that's a Tuesday at Brad's house. <laughs> <laughs> just come set up the, better, and- the better filming would be me down there. Yeah, getting drunk. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot more eventful. <laughs> me trying to get out of there is, is going to be the most. Well, eventful that could be thing. just like every other podcast. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we, we've had, um, yeah, so Chris, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but we've had, you know, Brad's had a, a couple episodes where, uh, where he's had a, a few it, and it was pretty funny. So, um, we kept it all in there <laughs> or most of it. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's get to our guest. Our guest today is Chris McNeil. Uh, we know each other from Princess Cruises. We both worked at uh, Princess, and I worked closely with his wife, which is how I met uh, Chris. So uh, Chris and Patty are good friends of mine that moved here to Tennessee within the last year. So I'm happy to have them as neighbors, and welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. My name's Chris McNeil, and this is my ship story. I guess I should start with... Uh, Graduated high school, I tried working for a year and I decided cubicle work was not good for me, which is laughable because that's what I did at Princess for 28 years. But uh, (laughs) um, so I joined the Navy. To go into the Navy, you have to take tests and they place you to, you know, where they think you should be. Did really well on the tests and I qualified to go to the school for aviation anti-submarine warfare. While I was in that training in the very first week, somebody came in and talked about submarines and how cool they were, and I fell for it. And so I changed my school, and I got to go to submarine school in Groton, Connecticut. A number of things 
happened there. We had pool training, got to be able to swim. <laughs> and um, you know, if you really think about it, if you're in a submarine, you're not really swimming, are you? Do you have to no. swim all that much? I mean, right. in the submarine, no. You don't get to swim at all, really. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. So why do we need swim hopefully. training? If hopefully you get, there's yeah, no hopefully. swim. <laughs> well, you guys are know. so far down if you get stuck. I mean, it's not exactly like you can, like, you know, uh, swim out through the torpedo tubes no. and go to the surface. <laughs> well, there is a way to lock out of the submarine in a, a special kind of hood, which I'll tell you about in a second. And you can ascend to the surface, but only wow. if you're, you know, within 70 or 80 feet of the surface beyond beyond that you don't want to do it it's a really bad idea <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah now uh, um, one other thing real quick is that okay you guys can't tell but chris is a really big guy he's like really tall so chris you're six four yeah is that right so i don't know how you fit in those submarines how tight was that space for you well at the time i weighed 202 pounds so <laughs> i wasn't as big as this but you're tall so i was but... just as tall I had to walk through the, um, the hallways. The, the submarine is three stories tall and about a football field long. Seven different compartments. Going from one compartment to another through the watertight doors was just like we see in the World War II movies. It's a little teeny hatch, one leg, one arm, duck your head, and then go through that way. And if you're really brave, there's a little bar you can grab at the top and sling your feet through. That's a huge mistake. I, I can see you. I think head, I still have like... a bump on my head from doing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but when I was walking down the hallways, I had to walk either on the left or the right side because the neon lights that hang down, my head would hit those. Wow. Was there <laughs> was there a restriction on how tall you could be to work on one? No, never. Oh. There was a weight restriction, but not a height restriction. Okay. And in certain compartments, like the missile room, that's three stories tall with no roof. You know, so. <laughs> And in the engine compartments, it's really huge. Um, you didn't get to go in the reactor room, but it was also really huge. If you look at it through a window. Now, was it hot? I have all these questions because we've never talked to I know, I'm like, I'm waiting. And yeah. I just want to keep asking you questions. What was the temperature like in there? Was it hot or was it cold or? Um, no, it was, it was like being in an office building. It felt normal all the time. Okay. Now, if you went into the engine room, yeah. which most people didn't bother unless you're doing qualifications, which I can tell you about in a minute. If you went into the engine room, parts of it are extremely hot, but they have these big air conditioning ducts that blow really cold air. And so they try to keep it cool. And if you're starting to feel a little faint, you go and stand in front of one of those and then you're okay. In the missile compartment, in between the missile tubes, there's exercise equipment. And so you can get kind of hot in there because the air circulation is not a priority in that room. It just depends, you know, if you're really going to work out and go crazy, you pretty much can only do it for about 45 minutes. And then you've got to get out of there and get somewhere where it's cooler. Wait, the exercise room was in the missile compartment? There was different exercise huh. machine between each set of tubes. Is huh. that because it's like the, the height and the and that's like the widest, biggest, tallest place in there? No, what? it's just because that's the only place you could put an exercise bike or mats or weights. Everything else is taken up with machinery. I mean, the submarine is huge, but when you fill it with all the machinery and the electronics, there's not a lot of running around room in there. Like the sleeping area, the bunks are three tall and they're on both sides. And it's, it's about three feet wide, maybe two and a half feet tall and seven feet long. And you have an outer locker and then yeah. the mattress lifts up and you've got little compartments to put things in that you want to. And then there's a curtain you can pull and there's a little light and there's a headphone jack and that's it. We didn't have cool phones 
back in my day to where you could watch YouTube. So did that, your size, did that ensure you, you got the bottom bunk? Because uh, life would not be good for somebody that big on, on the third bunk. I usually got the middle bunk because it was hard for me to get down on the floor and crawl into a bunk because the bottom bunk was literally two inches off the deck. Sure. Usually the little guys get that and the extremely small guys get to climb up on the monkey bunk. <laughs> now, let me, let me ask you this. The, uh, so I'm sure people smoked on there too. Um, the, and, and I would imagine so because you're underwater for a long period of time is the air cleaning device machine, whatever uh, on there, does it clean the air that well? Like, I you mean, I imagine smoke. you turn over the air over a ton. Yeah, you could only smoke in certain areas, and there's extremely good ventilation in there. And they had filters that would take everything out. They made their, their own air, they make their own water, they have the capability of making their own food, but we didn't. <laughs> that was in a case of emergency, you know. I would imagine seafood is probably not easy to catch since you're no, down there with them. No, they, they can actually <laughs> make food out of um, plankton in the ocean, and it's these nasty little bricks that will keep you alive but not happy. Because <laughs> oh. the, the fuel on the nuclear reactor is will last for seven years, so technically you can stay underwater for seven years. Good. Nobody's ever had to do that. Yeah, my, just, my longest patrols were six months. I, to me, just the thought of being in a submarine makes me claustrophobic. It makes me uncomfortable just thinking about it. Now, obviously, if you walk through and it's big enough, I'd probably be fine. I feel a little claustrophobic already <laughs> in this conversation. Yeah. What's well, the last that, that you were uh, that you were underwater at one time? Uh, six months. Six that was months, a standard you patrol. Didn't, you didn't come up for six months. No. Okay. Oh, wow. That makes Only once did we were we cut short because the reactor did what's called a scram, which is a, a screw up, and we were off the coast of Fort Lauderdale, and we had to surface. There's a funny story there. We had to surface and go in for repairs. When you know you're going to be out there for six months, and I'm sure on cruise ships it's the same thing as any other ships in the Navy. You clown around a lot, you know, just to keep yourself entertained. And we, a whole bunch of us, like 30 of us all got together and shaved our heads. And it just, it made the captain a little angry, but you know, the head is shaved. What are you going to do? All of a sudden, you know, a week later, we're surfacing and we're going in to a port. And what you wear is called a poopy suit. It's, uh, it's a jumper with Velcro up the front. And it's got the dolphins in your name. And then you wear a baseball hat with your submarine number on it. And when you're outside, your eyes are sensitive to light, so you wear sunglasses. So we look like a bunch of aliens standing on top of the ship and going into town. And of course, you know, you wear jeans and Hawaiian shirts, and everybody knows right away that you're in the Navy or something, and they're all trying to buy you a drink. And we're always told, don't talk to nobody, don't do anything. The Navy will plant people, and I don't know if that's true or not to try to get secrets out of you and get you in trouble. You didn't ever have to like emergency come up and like some political officer, you know, gets lowered by a helicopter and they have to bring <laughs> no. him in. Uh, I only mentioned that because I just, I just watched Hunt for Red October like two days ago. We did have to emergency surface one time to offload somebody who got hurt. That was right next to me. He touched uh, what's called a 440 panel, very powerful ele electricity. And he got the hell shocked out of himself. Ooh. So they had to airlift him and send him to a hospital. I mean, you had medics on board, but you need obviously he needed hospital attention. I'm yeah, yeah. We don't have you can't do surgery on board or anything like that. It's basically headaches and and it's it's not really a, a doctor. It's a foreman. It's like having an ambulance driver. That's your right. doctor. 
Right. So an EMT or something like that. Right. Yeah. Wow. Because you guys could be in the middle of nowhere. So to get to a hospital would be, it could take some time. He had like a 10 hour flight Ooh. to get to where we, we were on our way up north of the Arctic Circle and they flew into Alaska. Okay. Yeah. Why we're on this, I got to bring up the Arctic Circle. Oh God, here he goes again. <laughs> I, I won't even i won't even ask he's a he's i a, mean there's a big there you know there i mean there's a big you know a, a, a naval movement to find whatever's in the arctic circle or whatever's under it or, and, and you know military bases and stuff like that but um you you wouldn't comment anyway if it was true but uh but there's uh, really nothing under there but a lot of black water can't see a thing because on occasion if the captain's in a good mood he'd let you look through the periscope when you're underwater you you can't see a thing unless you're about 20 feet deep only and uh, or the periscope is 20 feet deep and it's a nice sunny day and that's the only window you get is to look out the only if you're uh, being kind if you're at periscope depth that you like hey there it is in in submarine school um they test you for claustrophobia because not just anybody can do that. And the test they have is a 147 foot water tower. It's about as big around as a living room. You walk into the bottom of it and this big hatch closes behind you and you're wearing a thing, just a swimsuit. And then a thing called a, it's called a stanky hood, which I'm sure they've got something better now, but it's like a cheap life wrap or life preserver that blows up with air. And it's got a little hood that goes over it and zips. And that fills up with air too. When they start to pressurize the tube and fill it with water, the water comes up to about your chest. It's nice and cold, but when they're pressurizing the air, it's extremely hot, like past 100 degrees. And when you add those two things together, most people will crack. <laughs> I'm out. I'm yeah, out. we had people that they it. had to they had to drain the chamber and let them out because they're screaming, bouncing off the walls. Yeah, but um, when I my, went into, you have no idea how uncomfortable I am right now. I mean, seriously, am I like, ugh, I'm like, no, well, no, no, no. When I could be the reason why mine would be called a poopy suit. <laughs> <laughs> there were six of us in there when they did it with me, with us. When it's all yeah. pressurized and everything, then they hold the hatch on the other side, which lets you out of the big tube of water, and they have you have they have you harnessed to a cable in the middle so you don't bounce off the walls on your way up. And Navy SEALs are there with tanks or actually just regulators. There's air on the side. They, you step out on a step and you're holding on like this to the bottom. And when the SEAL goes boom, you just release yourself and the air will rocket you to the surface really fast. If you make it to the surface, you put your arm up and you say, I feel fine. You've passed. Well, when I did it, I was going up and everything like that because I'd been scuba diving since I was 14. I thought it was fun as hell. When I got to the top, I said, I feel fine. And you unzip the hood and you throw it off your head. And I swam over to the side and you go up the ladder. And I asked the chief, I go, can I do it again? And he goes, you are a sick man. Get out of here. You pass. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was really great. It was the first time I free ascended that far. Well, I, I'm guessing that there was a lot of shenanigans going on on the sub. I, you know, again, in my fantasy world, I'm thinking, hey, a sub full of guys, that's got to be really hot. But like when you were on board, there there weren't any there weren't any women on no. on the sub. So I mean, what kind of shenanigans went on down there? Um, well, things that I fell for. <laughs> they did, they have, like, did they have a thing called fog watch? Did you ever have? Yeah. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> he said fog watch, but obviously there's no fog underneath the water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they are much more inventive than that. And this is why I consider myself pretty smart. But I I fell for 
quite a few things. But one thing is you have to do is you have to qualify, which means you have to know how to steer the boat. You have to know how to hit what we call the chicken switches to surface the boat in case of an emergency. And you have to know the hydraulics. You have to know the air, air conditioning systems. You have to know some of the engine systems, and that's how you earn your dolphins. So during qualifications, which takes about a week and a half, they said one of the questions is they said that down in the engine room at the very back by the shaft in the bilge, there's one rivet that's made of gold, and it's called the golden rivet. So you have to locate it and tell everybody where it is. There's no such thing. No. And so you're in the bilge? Oh. I'm standing in the bilge, waist deep in, oh. like, in yuck, <laughs> with a mask, my face dumped into it. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> so they all had a big laugh about that. That's far from the worst thing that ever happened to me. And I don't oh. even know if I want to say this, but I'll do it. Uh. One of the worst things is the engine room guys were me. And so when you go back there and you have to point out where certain gauges are and what they should read and all this kind of stuff. And four or five of the engine men were standing around a vice, you know, vice like on a table. And it has a gauge on it because you have to put on a certain amount of torque. And they've got their fingers like this in the vice and they're tightening it down. And, you know, you get four or five foot pounds on that and you, you're screaming. You, you want out of there. And they're doing it and they're going, ah, I got you. I got 4.3 and, and everything like that. I'm like, I can do better than that. I was powerful back then, you know, and everything. And they're like, oh, yeah, really? You think you can do it? Go ahead, do it. And I put them on there and they got me up to 4.4. And they said, and I should have known at this point, I was in big trouble. They, they said, so you're stuck? You know, I said, yeah, I can't get out. Ripped open my poopy suit, yanked it down over my, over the back. And they, with a, like a cocking gun, went right up the crack of my butt. This marine grease that's waterproof. Oh, that is, na that took, is nasty stuff. It took weeks to get that out. I mean, it didn't go in me, but, you know, it took weeks in the shower of scrubbing and scrubbing. That was, that was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. Oh, I think oh, we're know. familiar with this. Do you remember, guys, on the life rafts or the lifeboats, they would have that marine grease on? Oh, you don't remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Were you ever, about, did no, you ever I do never, the, you, you never yeah, did the lifeboat? I did. I get my, I got my life, lifeboat certificate. They put that grease on the, on those cables. And man, you, if you touch that stuff, yeah, you could yeah. not get that stuff off. It was probably horrible. the same stuff. It was probably the same. <laughs> it has very similar. Yeah. Anti, <laughs> anti chafing. Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> it was uncomfortable to say the least, especially walking. And and then, of course, everything travels through the submarine at like warp 10. Everybody knew about it right away. And so they're all coming up and patting me on the butt. How you doing? And I'm like, oh, stop it. Because <laughs> it just made it worse. You know? how, how many crew were on there on, on the sub? There's 147 on what I was on. I was on what was called a boomer, which is a missile launching launching submarine. 147 and 14 of them were officers. What was the name of it? The Ulysses S. Grant, oh, SSBN oh. 631. I just looked it up on YouTube. I mean, on uh, the Internet the other day because I'm trying to get uh, one of those hats back because I've you know, long lost all that kind of stuff. Are there any like retired submarines that they do tours of anywhere? Yeah. Yeah, they have some of the Los Angeles class type fast attack submarines in Hawaii and 
probably lots of other places. There's one in, um, there's one in, I think there's actually two. Yeah, there's one. Galveston, you mean? Yeah, down Galveston. There's one. I know there's one. We went on that one. And there's, there's probably a, a decent boat too. There's a ship there as well. And then I think, if I can remember right, when we were in LA or St. Pedro or whatever, there was a ship and a submarine next to it that you could tour. I think I think there's an old one in Catusa called the Batfish. Like it would this was a World War II. That that's sub, a decent boat, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Katusa. you know what? There's Where's there's Katusa? actually um when in you, Oklahoma, it's the it's a port in Oklahoma. You can actually get from Oklahoma to the Gulf of Mexico. Really? Yeah. The, there's a port. River. There's what a river port. Takes you down? Arkansas River. The Arkansas. Uh, but you know, when we went to Gulfport, Alabama, down there, it was in between New Orleans and Gulfport, but there's a, um, one of the big ports down there where all of the um, steamboats, uh, but there's a few ships, submarines and stuff down there. What about some going. more shenanigans on, on Yeah, that's subs? what I was where I was headed to. Did you ever, you ever almost miss the sub? <laughs> <laughs> I actually did miss the sub one time. Um, and that's that's a big problem. In Holy Lock, in Holy Lock, Scotland, where I was based, um, I was at a how do I say this? Uh, kind of a bed and breakfast, but not really. I met this girl in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I went home and her mom cooked dinner for us. And then we went to bed and I'm like, I can't believe this. This is awesome. And when I woke up in the morning, I went, Oh shit. <laughs> and, um, we all had to run down to the pier. There were two or three other guys too, at different places. And, uh, I didn't actually miss the submarine, but I missed the tender boats to go back over because it was in the, the middle of a lock and it's quite a long swim. But we had no choice because otherwise you'd get court-martialed. And so we all jumped off the pier and swam to the submarine. And then we had, and the only way to get on a submarine is to go all the way to the tail and crawl up on your hands and knees because it's. Oh my God. You can't get up on from the side. You have to get up from the back is what you're saying. Yeah. There's no ladders or anything like that. So really that surprises me. Did they did yeah. they stop and like lower it a little bit or are you like no no it, the, it was still anchored you know but we were supposed to leave in like an hour and it took us about forty five minutes to swim the distance of half the block. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> did it was you a get in trouble? Time. Did you get in trouble? Uh, got made fun of mostly, not really oh. in trouble. Um, if the captain had seen us soaking wet coming down the the hatch, yeah, we would have been in big trouble. But everybody hid everything and protected each other kind of like your popcorn story that i saw <laughs> it was funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the only time i actually got in trouble trouble is i was on kp duty because of my smart mouth okay wait and, KP, what does that mean uh, kitchen, kitchen duty kitchen oh. parole i yeah i was in kitchens and uh the cook didn't like me much and so he assigned me to the tdu room which is trash disposal unit and you go in there and there's these huge uh, pieces of aluminum, which are very sharp. And you put them together into a circle and bend these tabs over. And then there's a bottom that goes on it. And then you drop a lead weight into the bottom. And then you put all the trash, all the nasty food in there. And you hit it with a, a hydraulic piston and it smashes it down and it runs all over the floor and all over <laughs> your shoes. Oh. And when you get that thing packed, you put a top on it 
and then you slowly lower it, you don't drop it, down this tube, which is like a torpedo tube. And you can put about, I can't even remember how many, five, six, seven of those things in there. And then you close the hatch, pressurize it, and boom, shoot it right out of the bottom. Now they can't, I'm sure they can't do that anymore. But that's what we used to do. There must be thousands of those little things sitting underwater because they're made of aluminum. I don't think aluminum corrodes all that fast. That was also the perfect place. Have you ever seen a, one of those big milk cartons uh, like in a dairy if you reach your arm down it it's about the length of your arm tall and everything oh yeah the older yeah. older ones yeah really yeah, i have one on my oh, like an, an old milk can and then the on top fits on real tight yeah well in the supply room if you get the number 10 can which is a really big can a couple of those then you put some sugar and then you put some yeast and some water put the top on you let it sit there for about a week you get what's called strawberry jack alcohol and it's quite strong. It's really strong. You have to be able to go in there and vent it, you know, every so often, otherwise the top will get blown off and it makes an enormous mess in this room. And the whole inside of the room looks like the inside of a cruise ship in the crew area where it's, you know, it's all hosable, that kind of a thing. I missed a venting time and it exploded. Since I was on duty there, I should have known what was going on, even if I wasn't the one making the wine. So I got in trouble for that. What does in trouble entail? Like you get, you just got crappy duties to do or? Yeah, they they have you cleaning things. That clean the bilge never... department, look for the golden rivet. No, <laughs> I didn't ever have to clean the bilge. That, that was oh. self-cleaning, but they, they let it get ugly, you know, when they had new people on board. So that they would do what I did. Oh. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty weird. Another little trick they used to do is if you're late for your watch, they wake you up and they give you either coffee or hot chocolate. They go, here, 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 get up. It's time for your watch. If you fall asleep, whoosh, you'll pour it on yourself. And you usually don't miss any watches after that. <laughs> it never happened to me, but it happened to a few people around me. Oh, I'd be in and trouble. This, you know, you bring... You bring up something that's interesting. There's no, there's no windows. You're not seeing the daylight for six months. Is this a problem for people that you're not getting any sunlight and you're not really feeling like a, a day going on? Or is that something you just get used to? You get pale and there are some lamps. You can still tan on a submarine, but um, not everybody takes advantage of it because most, including me, you're so pale. If you spend 10 minutes under a tan light, you're burned. So you don't want to do that. Yeah, um, but I mean, I think because I, you know, living in places that was really sunny all the, most of my life, mm-hmm. when I first moved to Nashville and we had like a bad winter, I, I didn't understand what was happening to me. Like, I didn't understand like why I was like, you know, sad or why I was kind of feeling the way I was feeling. It was like, what is wrong with me? And then I talked to somebody else, you know, and they're like, yeah, I'm feeling the same way too. And of course, as soon as the sun got stronger that we got more sun because we had had like a few weeks where it just been like gray and gray and gray and I hadn't had any sun and I and I I felt it so I can't imagine being on a ship and not having any sun for six months I and on the on the tail end of of Brad and Eric's comment um uh what is the because of that what is the depression like because I'm sure that's a real thing you don't know what time it is if you lose track of it you don't know what time it is you can't see the day it's always dark Submarine service is voluntary. So if you go on a patrol, you're screwed. You're there. You're going to finish. But when it's over, if you decide you can't take it, you can 
requests to be removed from submarine duty. And then you usually end up somewhere on an aircraft carrier or something like that, which is a lot harder work. Food's not as good. And so, yeah, but your submarine duty, you know, just to go to, you know, try it for the first time, that's six months. I'm sure depression would set in after, you know, some, yeah. Some people do have issues with it. I I had seen a lot of people bail out on it. Most people don't do submarine. I did it for four and a half years. Most wow. people can't hack, can't hack that time. No. I was in the service for six years, but I did it for four and a half. The rest of it was training. Actual underwater time, probably have one, two, three, four, five, six. I, I have three years of being underwater. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Do you guys ever have like a bad people, enemies hunting you down or? All the different countries play games with you. We, we cruise at four knots. So we're absolutely silent. You can't find the submarine no matter what, unless you go active sonar. I was a sonar tech. If you go active sonar, you can find anything made of metal or a whale or anything like that. But you don't want to go active because you're giving away your own position. And before you can be ready, they can kill you with a torpedo. So we'd cruise at four knots. And we used to um, do sound checks on surface ships like the Enterprise, where they would go full speed. And we'd be under them uh, tracking their sounds. And then we'd shoot out way ahead of them and listen to them as they go by. And then shoot out ahead of them again, because submarines are much faster than people uh, Put on. They're, they're How fast, fast can they go? Because four knots is going really crawling. It's going. Oh, well, so four knots. Slow. The propeller is barely turning. Yeah. You know they can go. Well, you can say it in knots. That's okay. Seventy miles an hour. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. But you don't. Wow. You don't because you know if there's an underwater mountain that's not tracked or or anything, <laughs> you can see it on the forward-facing sonar. Green lines. Now I'm sure they've got cameras. But let me let me ask you this. And I just heard this on TikTok. So if you if you don't know, um, well, and so it was. It, they were explaining what a knot is and how how it's why it's called knots. I can't remember it, but it was fascinating. But it had something to do with in the old days, long time ago. Obviously, they were tying knots in the rope and they put it over the side and how right. fast you pull it up yeah. or whatever. However yeah. many went underwater was how fast you were going. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just curious, like if there was like a big storm above you, do you feel that in the sub at all? Well, yeah, you, it'll roll you around uh, big time. So what we do is go deep. Right. And once you go deep, you can't feel it any longer. Okay. So how deep do you have to go before that kind of stops? If you're, let's say there's a big thunderstorm, tornado or um, whatever. Maybe six or 700 feet. Oh, wow. That's Ooh. deep. Yeah. What's the deepest that you've been? That I've been uh-huh. probably fifteen hundred feet. Wow! Because during during an exercise, they don't do that all the time because stresses out the boat. You know. <laughs> now, when you go down, again, I'm thinking about Red October. I don't know on your sub or whatever. What is what is roughly around hull crush depth? And when you go to 12, 13, 14, 15, 1600 feet, can you feel the ship expanding? Stuff? The ship does compress. But there's a superstructure inside the ship, you know, that turns it into walls. So you can't see any of that happening. Like on the surface, you can get behind a panel and you can crawl around in that outside area and fix things. If you're seven or 800 feet deep, you open that panel. It's like this big. <laughs> you're not going in there. Wow. So, yeah, it does. The metal is designed to be able to expand and contract without breaking. 
That's so wild. I did, did not know that. That is amazing. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So there's well, you never get to touch the actual hull uh, unless you open panels and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> like in the sonar room, when we're listening to you know other submarines or listening to whales, I used to have all these great tapes, of whale songs and stuff. That got confiscated. I tried to get it out when I was leaving the Navy. Like, oh, can you hear those? I mean, can you hear whales if they're coming around you? Like, you know, oh, if they're close, you can hear it anywhere in the boat. When I had this, when I was listening to the sonar arrays, you can hear a whale from 60, 70 miles away. So is that like, there's lots of creepy noises in the night. Is that like hypnotic? I mean, is that like the coolest? Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll put you to sleep in a minute. I mean, the room is rigged red. You're in the dark and there's only two of you. And you're listening to Pink Floyd in this ear. And whale songs in this year, it'll go right out. You have to That's be very awesome. careful. <laughs> so that was your job most of the time is you're just sitting in a room with headphones, just listening to yeah. what's going on in the water. Uh, yeah. And tracking, plotting on a digital map where they are. You, are you the are you the guy caught sonar contact? Yeah. Actually, that was me. <laughs> nice. I started out just like uh seaman Beaumont. <laughs> Yeah, and I later became the uh, the other guy because I, I am sorry to keep that. going back to this movie. But is there a thing called Crazy Ivan? Is that a real thing? We never called it that, or or yeah, like yeah. that type of thing where you but yeah, shut it, down and turn around and see if anybody. Every once in a while, you either do a circle or you do a sharp turn or you drop depth in case you're being followed because that's when you'll find out about it. Because if they're right behind you, you can't hear them unless we're we got the towed sonar array out, which is a long cable. Uh-huh. And they don't normally do that because if you're not going the right speed, that cable can get close to the propeller and then it's gone. <laughs> wow. Oh man, that's crazy. Did you have ever had any scenarios like that where you I was gonna ask like anything happened? Or, yeah, where you were followed or following, you know, another sub or anything like that, any other interactions? Oh, like we that? got we got caught following submarines from different countries sometimes. A couple of times we make a quick turn and go, oh crap, there's somebody there. <laughs> and we'd had to lose them by going super quiet, going super deep, creep off in a different direction, and we'd lose them pretty quickly. But do you have any idea who they were? Oh yeah, we know exactly who they are just by the noises. You know, we could tell if it was French or Soviet oh, really? or anybody. Yeah. The, the ones we were most afraid of were the um can't remember the class, but Akula, the Russians, Akula class. Yeah. <laughs> I want to like watch that. this yeah. show again tonight. But uh, <laughs> they have they have some submarines that are just at that time were really superior to ours mm. as far as fast and speed and dangerous. They're like fighter planes underwater and they're small so they're hard to find <laughs> i can't imagine in a real war we'd have been torpedoed so uh, would you say that what's the other one hunt for red october i mean not the whole you know sean connery and the russians and everything but would you say hunt for red october or crimson tide would be closer to the real thing or both Scenery-wise, the hunt for Red October. Crimson Tide, you could never have acted that way. You'd have been locked up. <laughs> Wasn't there also a German one? What was the German movie called? Das Boot. Das, das Boot. Boot, yeah. Did you watch oh, that? I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, okay, so throw that one in the mix. You know, it was World War II. You know, you know, everything was so secret and everything like this. I wanted to mention one thing that was funny. Is when I first got to submarine school, the textbook that you get is about six inches tall, 16 inches long. And every page that you open folds out into like a really big schematic or map. You have to learn all these things. And when you get into the school, you check it out. 
And when it's time to leave, you check it back in. It never leaves the school. So you can't take notes. You have to memorize everything. My dad sent me a model, a nuclear submarine uh, from Mattel. When I got the model, I'm like, cool, I'm going to build this model. So I opened it up and I opened the directions on how to build it. And I looked at it, including the little pipes that were in the walls. You didn't have to do that. It was cast into plastic. Uh And I looked at those plans and I went, same freaking thing. This is the same. How can Mattel? And so I took those into my instructor. And I said, look, and he goes, yeah, I know. And I go, well, how do they know? He goes, Mattel's got better spies than most countries. (laughs) 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 And I always found that really funny. So what's your favorite submarine movie? Mine, probably Red October. I mean, my wife loves that movie so much. I think I've seen it 10 times already. Yeah. (laughs) Did you ever have to go on a mission to, wasn't there an accident where a submarine had lost all propulsion and went down and they're, you know, they were trying to find him and trying to find out how to get him, And, and they were stuck down there for a, a while. Yeah. But the Navy has was a, special. It was a Russian one, wasn't it? It was a Russian sub that went down that they weren't able to retrieve them. Yeah. I can't even remember. There's, there was an American one too. I don't remember the name of it, but the Navy has special submarines for things like that. They're more like bathospheres and they can go down and they can lock up to the hatch and bring everybody in and, take them out and let the submarine sit there and rot. A, a submarine that's not moving has got to be really, really hard to find, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Damn near impossible unless you run into it. But they and said if it before, loses its propulsion, like it's it's just going to fall and, and land on the side of a mountain or something, isn't it? No, no. They, they set the buoyancy and it'll just hang there in midwater to perfectly still. And they're, they're, we're good about setting the buoyancy in such a way it doesn't move up and down more than two inches Wow! and it doesn't go forward or backwards. You just sit there. That's just terrifying. Did you ever have a scare or anything where you guys temporarily lost power and, and everything blacked out and, and then, you know, whether it was 30 seconds or like three well, minutes or the one time when the reactor scrammed off Fort Lauderdale, we lost everything and we surfaced because all you have to do is add air to the ballast tanks and the surface. And then when we got on the surface, there's a diesel engine. We started that. And so embarrassingly for the captain, we pulled into Fort Lauderdale, puking black smoke out of the top. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's always another way to get going or anything like that. The only scare we actually ever had is they run drill after drill after drill all the time. And this one time we got a drill for a missile launch. You come up to a certain depth and you lean the boat over and you open the tubes and then you're ready to launch. EAM. Yeah. And we had to do all of that. Yeah, I like that. We had to do all that. The test was more real than most. And all of a sudden, the cook and his assistants were coming around to everybody who's at a watch station because you can't leave and handing out uh, cold cut sandwiches and stuff like this. And we're like, oh, shit, this is real. Or he wouldn't be doing this. So it scared the hell out of all of us. We're like, oh, no. But then we were on that drill for 12 hours. When, when it was over, it was over. And then everything went back to normal. And we were all like, thanks a lot. I was freaking out. <laughs> Did you guys ever have a nuclear scare, not launching or anything, but like a, a reactor leak or like a... No, they're pretty safe. They're actually really safe. Last question for me. What's the most bizarre thing that you've uh, experienced? 
whether it's goofy or whether it's real, whether it was uh, just the, the most bizarre thing. Nothing really super bizarre. A lot of it is just movies and boring and they, they tune you in, they change you into a functional robot so that, you know, when you're given an order, you, you don't have to ask what do I do. You just automatically react. I wanted to ask you about um, traveling underneath the, the Arctic. This is a concept that a lot of people have problems with because, you know, that's, we consider that impossible for most people, but that's a that's a corridor that submarines take a lot, right? Were you underneath the the North Pole quite a bit? We went end to end. Um, and and where do you go? Like you can go, you can you can do like a Northwest Passage kind of a thing. You can be in California, go up uh, around, you know, underneath the Arctic Ocean and go into the Atlantic, right? Kind of an opposite of the of the. Uh, you can uh, uh, you can put the periscope up and look at a Russian beach. <laughs> you can, wow. that's basically the most of that continent is floating. I can see Russia from here. Yeah. <laughs> I never got to see that though. Did you go? Did you ever? Were you ever down south? Were you down in the Antarctic? Because I know you can't. I know that's a, con- my, a continent. You can't get my underneath boat, it. My but. boat never went to the Antarctic. It was uh-huh. mostly north the Bering Sea and the Atlantic every once in a while rough water sailing and stuff like that but submarines are all over everywhere and god there must be 20 countries with submarines i mean if you go into the med um you'd be lucky not to hit somebody underwater i mean there's a ton of traffic there yeah all all of those all of those submarines in the med and don't you don't nobody knows they're there unless there's another submarine yeah true Oh, Chris, I know. I mean, this has been super interesting, um, <laughs> but uh, so we're getting near the end here. Do you, is there anything else you want to share with us? Any other stories, interesting thing that you'd like to share? Not really. That covered most of the stuff that I wrote down for the Navy. I want to thank you so much for joining. Uh, it really has been really cool to hear these stories, because even though I've known you for a long time, uh, besides your birthday the other day, we, we started talking about this. But I've never really heard, uh, you know, all these summary stories that are yeah. that most people have no idea what goes on. So I, I think this has been like really cool to listen to, you know, something that's vastly different from what we all know and what we all did. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not for everybody, but I had a good time doing it. That's Thanks, Chris. Say hi, Patty. Man. Thanks. Say hi to Patty. Okay. I heard her take Lola out just a few minutes ago. Okay. I mean, seriously, they live like five minutes from me. Take care. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) We'll see you. Bye-bye. See you soon. Well, that was really cool. I could tell Scott was into it. I love it. And what about this? And what about that? And what about this? It is too funny. And hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was was really cool. cool. I just watched it. Now I have to I have to pull back my my comments on on the North Pole or, or, you know, on the top of the world. I meant Antarctica where the conspiracy stuff is. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm sure e- either, either place it's not really true, but anyway. It was awesome. It was <laughs> anyway, awesome. that was a great, that was a really good story. I'm really glad we covered that. That's awesome to get that perspective on yeah, stuff. Yeah, That's that neat. Really cool. Hey everyone, the ship is about to set sail, which brings us to an end for today. We hope that you enjoy the podcast. For bonus audio and if you would like to see this podcast and video, 
please visit our YouTube channel, My Ship Story. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as My Ship Story. Don't forget to let us know if you're a past or present crew member, and if you have a story that you would like to tell, or if you'd like, you can email us your story for us to read on the air. Email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. That's myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. Goodbye for now, and be sure to tune in next week, same time, as we'll have a new podcast every Monday. Bon voyage!